Well, it has been great. Thank you, Lord, to come together, have this meeting, have uh, Brother Copeland and their team to come and the Lord minister to us. You know, uh, it's not intellect that teaches. It's the anointing. Hmm? And because it is, you, you can't take a full measure of what you've received by what you understand or remember in your head. Because it's not a head thing. And it's amazing how the speaker, the minister, may be talking about this. And the Spirit of God started with you and then took you over here and took you over here and took you over here. And he's ministering to you about something that's not even physically being said. And he's doing that thousands and tens of thousands of times with everybody else simultaneously. It's amazing. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. And when you are in meetings morning and evening and you're under the anointing, and that anointing is ministering to you, it changes you more than you realize. Adjustments are made inside you, changes in your thinking, how you see things, how you perceive, and, um, you know, with an airplane. If we, we just recently went to uh, Nigeria. One of those legs was a 4,000-mile leg. And uh, if you just change the heading one degree, we were going to land on a little island out there. In the, uh, We needed to get fuel, and we landed at uh, Tenerife in the Canary Islands. Well, in that big Atlantic Ocean, I mean, postage stamp don't even... Postage stamp would be big. But you, you see, with the GPS and autopilot, it's making corrections, I mean, faster than every second. Because the wind's trying to blow you off course and everything else. If you just turned it a degree or so, you'd, you'd miss the whole island. You'd, you'd wind up in another country. And the Spirit of God just tweaking you and making a one-degree adjustment. You wouldn't even notice it this morning, but over the course of the next ten years. Come on, can you see? You will wind up in a completely different place of life. Hallelujah. A better place. Glory to God. You'll be a different person. Just that tweak and that change. So much more is happening than you discern with your eyes and your mind. And it'll, only, it'll take the rest of your life and then into eternity to really see what the incorruptible seed of the Word of God did in your life. Well, you want to take some more? Some more incorruptible seed? Might need to make another tweak, adjustment, right? Well, we do. Uh, go to Acts, please, 20th chapter. I'm checking my heart, seeking the Lord about this. I believe I'm impressed with this scripture and these truths. Acts 20 and verse 24. 
<coughs> Excuse me. I really like this verse. I've used it more than once. Acts twenty twenty four. The uh, every town that Paul was going to, people were telling him that there were some rough times ahead for him. And uh, finally, he said here in Acts twenty twenty four, by the inspiration of the Spirit, he said, "None of these things move me." Come on, say it out loud, just for practice. None. <laughs> Of these things move me. Why would you need to say that? The devil practices, he and his cohorts practice what I call the pile-up technique. You know? Dealing with this and with this, okay, all right. But then something else and then something else and something else. And he's endeavoring to get so many issues at once that you just feel overwhelmed and want to just throw up your hands and say, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. Well, then you're being moved. Moved out of faith, into fear, into defeat. So that's where the resisting comes in. You have to not let these things move you. You'll be tempted. They'll push on you. You live in this world. There are going to be some things that push on you and try to press you. Money issues, health issues, family issues, friend issues, job issues, work issues, right? They'll try to push on you. And you can become a basket case and Cry and feel sorry for yourself. That means you let it move you. You let it move you out of trusting God. Out of victory. Into fear and failure and defeat. Or. Or there's something else you can do. You can be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Hmm? And even though you feel like crying, you feel like giving up, you feel like quitting, you don't act like you feel. Come on, are y'all with me or not? And, and you, if you have to take some toothpicks and prop up the corners of your mouth, and you say, I refuse to fear, I refuse to give up and quit, none of these things move me. I'm not going to yield to them. I'm not going to give place to them. I'm not going to let them sweep over me and overwhelm me. I'm going to resist. I'm going to stand. And having done all, I'm going to stand. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Say it out loud. I want you to get practiced up. I'll say none of these things. Move me. Move me. Yeah, but what if you got 45 bills and they all got to be paid by the end of the month? Come on, help me out. Help me out. None of these things move me. You thought for sure the doctor's report would be good this time, but it wasn't. It was worse. 
Huh? You feel bad? People say, man, you look bad. (laughs) And what do you say? Come on, what do you say? None of these things move me. You thought for sure that your spouse or your kids or your grandkids were getting a handle on this thing. Huh? And had heard some word and actually was making a change. But no, 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 they're worse off, further off the track than they were last year. The the tears are already in your eyes. Come on, help me out, help me out. None of these things move me. I don't have to let it move me. It'll come. You'll feel it. But you don't have to let it move you. The psalmist talks about, I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. I shall not be moved. We sing about it. Just like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Well, that's at this juncture in his life, Paul, dealing with some things that looked like they were about to get a whole lot worse. What did he say? None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And see, this is what the tactic of the enemy is about, to prevent you from finishing your course running your race, doing what you're supposed to do on the earth. Because when you do what you were made to do and put here to do, it affects other people for the kingdom. And the devil doesn't want that. That I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. God's grace includes all of his help, which includes his strength. With enough grace, you can make it through anything. With enough grace, you can overcome anything. Any habit, any sin, any failure, with enough grace, you can receive Anything. No miracles too big. Maybe you were struggling and coming short, but with some more of God's help, you'll come right up there. Maybe you failed in the same area 49 times, but with some more of God's help, this time you'll stand. Come on, can you see it? With enough of God's grace. That's what he's talking about. But notice that I might say say this out loud, finish my course course with joy. joy. Now, Brother Copeland made reference to this during the meeting. And uh, I feel impressed to, to, to camp on it some more today. How did he make it through these next things that were coming up? How many believe Paul did finish his course? He did. He said in 2 Timothy, uh, later on, don't turn there, but he said, I have fought a good fight. 
I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Let me read it again. That was 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought a good fight. And how many know we're to fight the good fight of faith? faith. I finished my course. That's no small thing to say. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Faith is inseparable from joy. This is a great truth. You can't separate faith from joy. You show me a person that's in faith. I'll show you a person who has some joy. Without exception. Without exception. The Lord gave me this phrase uh, decades ago when I was working in the healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. He gave me this phrase. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Simple, but it's an identifier. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Well, if if you believe God's heard your prayer, if you believe you receive what you need, if you believe the power of God's at work, if you believe things are changing, what do you got to be depressed over? Can you see this? Even those things might not be enjoyable right now. You're excited about what you know has happened and is happening. So there's no such thing as being strong in faith and being sad. No such thing as being strong in faith and being depressed. When you're despairing and you're complaining and you're sad, you're not doing well spiritually. That should be obvious. You're weak spiritually and you are turning loose of your faith. And that's how you go down. But when you're strong in faith, none of these things move you. And you are rejoicing. Even though there's some tough stuff going on, you're rejoicing anyway. And you're giving thanks. Right? You're not giving thanks for all the junk the devil's doing, but you're giving thanks for God and his faithfulness and his goodness. And what you believe you received and what you believe is happening. And you are glad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. It's not okay to make a good confession. And be depressed the rest of the day. That's not faith. I know you made a good confession. But faith is not just talk. Faith is not just words. It's believing in the heart. And saying with the mouth. It was through joy. That he said he's going to finish. He said that I might finish my course with joy. Now, we know the scripture said in Nehemiah 8.10, you don't have to turn there. They'll put it on the screen. Nehemiah 8.10 says, 
Don't be sorry because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is this too basic? <clears throat> Don't be sorry because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Young's literal says, don't be grieved, for the joy of Jehovah is your strength. Somebody say it out loud. The joy of Jehovah is my strength. The, the BBE, the basic English Bible says, let there be no grief in your hearts, for the joy of the Lord is your strong place. People talk about their happy place. <laughs> when things get rough, I go in my mind to my happy place. Well, you need to go to your strong place, right? And where is your strong place? Then that makes depression your weak place. I don't care how many scriptures you think you know, how long you've been walking with the Lord... When you are depressed and you are despondent, you are weak and you're being defeated. You're losing this battle. And people say, well, I'm sorry, but I can't help it. If you're going through what I'm going through, you might be depressed too. <laughs> Not if I would obey the Bible. Not if I would make the right choice. Yes. Now I'm going to say something that many people don't believe, but search the scriptures. Depression is a choice. And joy is a choice. That was worth you combing your hair <laughs> and coming to church. I'm, I'm telling you. Is it true or not? The truth will make you free. This is good news. If depression is a choice, come on, help me out. If depression is a choice, I don't have to be depressed. Is it a choice? Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Well, what about the days that you can't help but be depressed? <clears throat> Just doesn't reconcile. Depression is a choice. And the reason it is, is because we, this is one of the things that sets us apart from all of God's created beings. We have been given the ability and the free will to choose what we think on, choose what we believe, choose what we say. How do you get depressed? By what you whether you purposely sat down and meant to do it or not, you chose to think on it. The devil might have brought the thoughts to you, but you didn't have to sit there and think on it. 
He brought the feelings. He brought the thoughts. You could have resisted them. You could have chose to think on something else, but you didn't. You just sat there. Got more and more depressed. We've all made mistakes in this area. Every one of us. But let's learn. Somebody say, greater is he. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have the mind of Christ. And my mind is my mind. I don't have to think about anything I don't choose to. This is a great truth. The devil cannot force you to think on something you don't want to think about. Now, he can bring it to you a thousand times in a day. But you need to cast it down a thousand and one times. Right? He can't force you. Nobody, no human being, no angel, no demon can force you to believe something you don't want to believe. It's completely within your power. I I say the words I choose to say. I think the thoughts I choose to think. I believe the truth I choose to believe. And that, my friend, will give you victory in every situation. But if you believe the devil's lies, that I'm just a helpless victim, and all these feelings and all these terrible things have happened, and I can't help it, I'm just... A basket, and I, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, I can't, I just can't. I can't. Then you'll be in a bad case. But it'll be because you chose to be there. And many people, they, they'll deny it. They say, no, I didn't choose to be. Yeah, you did. Because you didn't choose to think something else. You didn't choose to say something else. You didn't choose to believe something else. Depression is a choice. But hallelujah, joy. Joy is a choice. I'm getting stirred up about this. (coughs) This is victory. I'm telling you, you can. You don't have to take drugs. Including prescriptions to help stabilize your unstable emotions. You don't have to. You don't have to. Somebody say it again. I have the mind of Christ. And my mind is my mind. I don't have to think on anything. I don't choose to. Didn't the tell her, in talking about spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians, what does it talk about? Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not natural, but they're mighty through God, doing what? Pulling down strongholds. How do you do that? Casting down imaginations and taken into captivity every every 
every every thought. Well, unless you want to let a bad one sit on you and depress you and mess up your day. It's too easy for the devil. It's too easy. All he's got to do, things can be going great. Sun shining, nice day. Got a day off or whatever. And somebody say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and the devil bring a thought and a feeling. And people go, ah, I was feeling so good and everything is going so good and now my day is ruined. And it's, it's 8.30 in the morning. How do you know your whole day is ruined? You think you got to cancel your fun and go sit in a chair and feel sorry for yourself. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. Come on. We're not going to be these kind of babies. Come on, let's grow up. What do you do with that thought? What? 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 Slap it down. You, you're not going to mess my day up. I'm choosing to think on this. Didn't, didn't the Lord say, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, if it is good report, just, lovely, Right? He gives a list. Think on these things. I was preaching on this one time. A guy came up after. He said, Brother Keith, I know know what it is. He said, every mind needs a bouncer at the door. (laughs) This is some previous experience he had, I guess. but (laughs) But there is a truth to it. Thoughts and feelings come to your mind. Don't just receive them. Open the little thing. Go, who are you? Where did you come from? Who sent you? No. Shoot. No. You can't, you can't get in. No. No. You're not on the list. Because the list. <coughs> are you true? No. You can't get it. Honest. You ain't lovely. You're ugly. Get out. You're an ugly thought. Ugly thoughts cannot come in my beautiful mind. No. No. Not on the list. You don't get in. Said out loud, depression is a choice. Whether conscious or mean to or not, you choose to think on the wrong things and look at the wrong things and listen to the wrong things and talk about the wrong things. And the truth is you're a child of God and you can choose differently. Joy is a choice. Somebody say, I choose joy. Now when you did that, you just chose to be strong. Hmm? Some bad stuff hit you, side swipe you. You need to say, time, time, time. I got to go to my strong place. 
I'm going to go to my strong place. Right? In every situation, no matter how bleak or how dark, there's a thought from God that is absolutely joy. Do you believe this or not? In every situation, there's a thought. God's words contain his thoughts. There's a word from God. There's a thought from God that you just get that from him. And in the middle of this, you go, ha, okay, all right. Then none of this means anything. And the scripture describes this joy as everlasting joy. That's not something that's of this temporal realm. It's not just a giddiness. It's not just a temporal happiness. Somebody say everlasting joy. Come on, say it. Everlasting joy. Say it again. Ever. Lasting joy. Say it again. Ever lasting joy. Don't turn there, but I'll just read some of these to you. In Isaiah 35:10, he said, talking about the ransomed of the Lord, they'll return, come to Zion with songs. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. They'll obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Wow. Isaiah 51, 11, similar. It says, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. We, we sing this sometimes, right? Come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy will be on their head. And that's where you need it. Is <laughs> on your head. Because that's where all these thoughts and all these brought, right? Come on, somebody say, everlasting joy on my head. And you go to your strong place. Hallelujah. They'll obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Isaiah 61 says, He appoints to them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Joy is an anointing. Joy is a manifestation of the presence of the Spirit. And because it's part of Him, it's eternal. It's everlasting. It doesn't wane. It doesn't fade. It's not of this realm. You get a new car, it might make you happy. You get a new outfit, you get a new piece of jewelry, you get a whatever, you know. But, uh, like, like one fellow was saying uh, years ago, I heard this, he, he got this brand new Porsche automobile, this special model. And even back then, it was a $100,000 car. And somebody asked him, he said, what was the best thing about that car, getting that car? He said, it was the day before I got it. <laughs> Why? Because six months after you've got it, you realize it's a car. Six years, I mean, the tires wear out, it gets dirty, it can get dinged in the parking lot. It's a car. So anything pertaining to happiness in this life 
is temporary. It wanes, it fades. We're not talking about that. The joy of the Lord that is our strength is everlasting joy. Somebody say everlasting, everlasting joy. Hallelujah. And it's on the heads of the ransomed and redeemed of the Lord. Somebody say glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, most of you know. What does it say? Now faith is the what? Substance of things what? Hoped for. Faith has to do with that which is hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. The uh, Young's Literal Translation, if we can put that up, it is of faith is of things hoped, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. And if you study the Greek words, this is really accurate. I, I, that's one reason I like Young's Literal. Beware of a lot of the modern paraphrase. They are not translations. They're paraphrase. Many of them are called translations, but they're not. The translators use phraseology to explain it to you. I don't want somebody explaining it to me. When I read the Bible, I want to know what it said. Don't tell me what you think it means. Right? There's a lot of this in, in these modern translations. So watch out. But it's of things hoped for a confidence. Go to Romans 8 and 24. <clears throat> We've emphasized a lot that faith is now. And faith is present tense. And it is. But that's not all it is. Faith deals with all tenses. Faith deals with past, present, and future. I didn't understand this back years ago. <clears throat> I had two relatives that were attacked with a very similar form of cancer. And uh, uh, one of them was miraculously healed, and the other one didn't make it. They're saved. They're in heaven now, praise God, but they didn't receive their healing. And uh, I was going so much by their confession, listening to hear what they were saying. And I, I've seen cases where people's confession was, you might call perfect, I believe that I have received my healing, and by his stripes I was healed. And I've seen them get worse and worse and die. I saw one guy. He told me, he said, you just watch, Brother Keith. I'm coming out of this. Well, that's future tense. But he did. I said, but he did. 
So I'm seeing people that in my mind had a perfect confession didn't get the results. People, other people who are talking about future tense things. And you're thinking, well, that's future tense. But it was obviously faith. They overcame impossible situations. And they're healed and delivered. How many remember Mark 11, 24? Come on in this crowd. <clears throat> in this crowd, if you didn't raise your hand, people are going to look at you. You don't know Mark 11, 24? Let me talk to you after the service. What does it say? What things soever you desire, when is that? You desire it right now. When you pray, when is that? That's right now. Believe you receive them. When is that? Right now. Right now. You shall have them. When is that? Right now. Not right now. No, it's not. That's not right now. You what? Shall have them. Shall have them. That's not right now. So which one do you believe? You believe you receive it right now or you believe you shall have them? (laughs) You believe both. I mean, you you don't want to take shot part of this thing that Jesus said off it and said, I don't want to believe that part. I want to believe this part. (laughs) You want to believe everything he said. Right? Isn't in Romans 8? Did you find it? Romans 8, 24. <coughs> my, my. Have you got time? I'm, seemed like I could use a little bit more time this morning. It says, for we are saved by faith. Huh? What does it say? Saved by what? Now, see, in in, in our circles, hope has gotten a bad rap. People have said, no, that's not faith. That's just hope. You've got to get out of hope and get into faith. Technically, that's wrong. If the truth is, if you're in faith, you're also in hope. You You don't have faith without hope. Because faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Now, one of the things is that the definition of hope has been skewed. And a lot of times when people say, you know, will you be healed right now when we lay hands on you? I sure hope so. And all the faith people go, no, no. (laughs) And you're right. But... They, they're not in faith. They're, they're just in hope. No, they're not in hope either. They're calling it hope, but there is no Bible hope there. They are using the word hope. What they mean is desire. I sure wish I would be. I want to be, but there is no hope involved here. If you look up the word hope, it means confident expectation huh so if they said I am confidently expecting to be that is the definition of I hope to 
Now, that don't sound right to our ears, but it's because our mind needs to get renewed to Bible hope instead of what modern vernacular calls hope, which is not hope at all. But faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Now, Romans 8, are you still there? Romans 8, 24, we're saved by what? Somebody said, I thought we saved by faith. We are. They're inseparable. Remember, I I told you earlier, joy and faith are inseparable. And that's because joy and hope, I mean, excuse me, faith and hope are inseparable. Why would you have joy when you're in faith? Because you have hope. And that confident expectation of good that you got no reason to expect except God told you. And you believe he heard your prayer when you prayed. And you believe you received it. If you believe it, it puts you in a state of confident expectation to see and feel and have in your hand. Come on, can you see this? So when you say we're saved by hope, that's no contradiction to say from saying you're saved by faith. How many are completely confident that when you die, you're going to slip out of your body and you are not going to be taken to a holding room? (laughs) Huh? And there's not going to be any debate about whether you, that you go up or down. No, 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 no angels and demons are going to meet and go, which way they're going? Which way they're going? <laughs> I think they go with us. No. No, I don't want to go with you. I want to go with them. No. <laughs> How many are confident uh-huh. when you leave, which hasn't happened yet? This is future tense. When you leave. You will slip out of your body and you will go to be with the Lord. You will go to be with him. Are you confident of that? That's hope. And that shows you're saved. Because you wouldn't be confident of that unless you believed that you have received him. And you've been born again. And your name's in the Lamb's book of life. If the trumpet sounds this evening. How many are confident the trumpet is going to sound? The trumpet, no maybes. It's not up for debate. It's not still being hashed out. The trumpet is going to sound. And how many believe when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise? And if you're still alive and remain, you're going to be changed. You're going to be changed into incorruptible, immortal. That is hope. That is Bible hope. You can't have that unless you have faith. Unless you're fully persuaded. God is real. Jesus is the Savior. He went to the cross. He paid the price. You received it. You got to believe all that to have that hope. Glory to God. Let me keep reading it. Romans 8, 24. We're saved by hope. 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up for us. 1 Peter 1, 8. Talking about Jesus says, Whom, having not seen, 1 Peter 1, 8, you love. And though now you see him not, yet what? Believing. Yet believing, you do what? Say it out loud. Believing, believing. You, rejoice. you rejoice. See, that wasn't just a little catchy phrase I was making a while ago. Faith rejoices. Yes. Gives thanks and is glad. If you're believing, you're rejoicing. Hmm? I said, if you're believing, you're rejoicing. Well, what are you rejoicing over? What you are confidently expecting to see and experience and feel. Right? Though now you see him not, you, you yet believing, you rejoice. And this has to be this everlasting joy because it's beyond expression. And it's full of glory. And God's glory is part of his eternal being. This is that everlasting, we can experience everlasting joy right now. Right here in this life. And it is one of our greatest strengths in overcoming every trial and test. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of focus. Depression is a choice. Joy is a choice. And it comes back to what you choose to look at. Look with me in Hebrews. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Go ahead and turn there if you would. Thank you, Lord. We're condensing a series into one message. <coughs> Hebrews, 12th chapter. Second verse. It's about where you look. What are you looking at? If you're sad, if you're depressed, we don't need a word of knowledge (laughs) to know that you are not looking at Jesus. You're not looking at the answer. You're not looking at anything good. You're looking at something bad. And who made you look at it? The devil can't make you look at it. He's tricky. And he can bring it a thousand times in an afternoon. But he can't make you. Look at it. Listen to it. Think about it. Talk about it. He can't make you. Somebody say, he can't make me. He can't. Cannot. He can't. Make me. Look at what I don't want to look at. And I'm talking about mentally look at it. While we look not. At the things that are seen. 
but at the things that are not seen. How do you look at things that are not seen? By faith. By faith. If your body's racked with pain, if your symptoms are not good, if the report is not good, you got a choice. I can look at this. I can think about it. I can talk about it. What's it going to do to me? To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life, life and peace. Can I look at something else that's not seen, that's not in the room with me? Can I look at something else? That was weak. Can I? There is nothing that's ever been as hard as the cross for Jesus. We see some external things of it, but we don't, we don't really know. How could you know what it's like for all of the terrible sin and rebellion and disobedience of all generations of men and women, past, present, and future, to converge on your spirit at once and to be judged for it? When Jesus was sweating blood, in the garden and crying and praying and saying, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He's not just recoiling from being nailed to the cross. As bad as that is, it's way beyond that. Being separated from the presence of the Father, how did he make it through that? Did he make it through it? He didn't just survive it. He conquered. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. He was strong through it. Yes. How was he so strong? How did Jesus, when all he had to do, all he had to do was open his mouth. He said, don't you know, I could call and legions of angels would come right now. Get me out of this. All he had to do. And he didn't do it. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Strong, 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 strong. He yielded up his spirit in full faith that he would raise from the dead. He's believing for resurrection when he died. Not just for him, for all of us. He's believing for the resurrection of every one of us. Because he wasn't doing it for himself. How was he so strong? Well, he's the son of God. No, the Bible said he did it as a man. How did he do it? It's right here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We got the same faith he does. It's a measure of his faith. How are we going to finish strong? Just like he did. How did he do it? Is everybody awake? Don't miss this. How did he make it through? The mock trial. The blasphemy. The scourging. The spitting. The crown of thorns. The, the, the beating. Uh, the crucifixion. How did, how did he make it through that? Without getting depressed. 
without collapsing, without getting despondent. How did he make it through it? Read it. For the joy that was where? Where? This is hope. Come on, can you see it? The joy that was before him, in front of him. Jesus went to his happy place. He went to his strong place. And while they're, while they're driving those spikes through his limbs, he zoned. And he saw you. While they were putting the stripes on him, he zoned. He looked beyond that awful moment. He, 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 did, he chose not to, you hear people talking about living in the moment? There's a bunch of moments you don't want to live in. Down here, you don't want to live in the moment. There's some awful moments that happen down here. If you just live in that moment and you just immerse yourself in what's happening right now, it'll destroy you. You want to look beyond right now. You want to look beyond today. You want to look beyond the pain you're going through or the surgery you're having to have or, or the financial issue or, or, or the people that are upset with you. You want to look beyond it? And by faith, see, happy times, good times, victory times. Oh, come on, can you see this? You want to look, he looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the scourging. He looked beyond it. And for the joy that was set before him, that's one reason Paul would say, I'm going to finish my course with joy. Why? That's how Jesus did it. Jesus made it through the hardest, toughest times of his life by joy. He looked beyond it, and as he's looking, he's seeing new births. He's seeing people not going to hell. He's seeing those his brethren joined to him and his family throughout eternity. You're getting to see your mansion. You're getting to be with him. You're getting to, to, to rule and reign with him in his kingdom and him assigning you things. I'm talking about a million years from now. He, he's seeing all of this and he's saying, I can make it through this because of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can make it through this because of that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And it made that joy, that everlasting joy, made him strong. And he went through it in faith, and he died in faith, and he raised from the dead in faith. And it, exactly what he saw, is coming to pass right now. Hallelujah. And will continue to come to pass. And that's how you can make it through anything. That's how I can make it through anything. Praise God. Oh, somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Looking steadfastly 
on Jesus, the leader and completer of our faith, Darby says, in view of the joy lying before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God's Word translation says we must focus on Jesus. Somebody say, focus on Jesus. Not on the bills, not on the pain. Focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him. So he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought him. And he received the highest position in heaven, the one next to the throne of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. (coughs) Glory be to the Father. Glory be to the Father. Hallelujah. For the joy that was set before Him. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. I choose not to look at now, not to look at problems, but to look ahead to the joy that is before me. That joy is my strength. Hallelujah. I overcome. I'm more than a conqueror through his joy, through his strength, through him who loves me. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We're going to sing.